0: And something of this confidence that Martin Luther uh, so beautifully expressed at the, la- uh, at the end of this uh, hymn Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, but God's truth abides still, His kingdom stands forever. Something of this confidence that I would want us to take away. As we get to the end, as we approach the end of the book of Acts, as we finish this series through the book of Acts, to see and to understand that we can have the same confidence that Paul had, that men uh, throughout church history like Martin Luther had, that God's kingdom stands forever, even though the, the book of Acts is a a, a book. Uh, and it is often called the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, even though it records for us the, uh, the story of the missionary work initially of Peter and later on in Prince uh, and especially so of, of Paul. It is not a biography. The, the book of Acts is not a, a book that is meant to teach us. Um, uh, although it does, but it's not the main purpose, not to teach us about the life and times of the apostles. That is not what is set before us, or what was presented to us as we read uh, and considered this book. Luke did not intend this book to be a, a, histori- a historiography, a bi- biography of, uh, uh, of the life of Paul, of, of Peter, of, of any of the apostles. And that is clear by the way he ends this book. We would be surprised, wouldn't we, if Luke, the writer of Acts, under the inspiration of the Spirit, wanted us to know about the life of Paul. We would be surprised to find out that the, that the, the book ends in a, a sort of a cliffhanger. What happened, you might ask? What happened to Paul? And Luke would answer to you, that's not the point. The point of the book was not... Uh, to give us a detailed account of Paul's life. We're left with Paul, here verse 30 and 31, then Paul, uh, we're left with Paul there, two years in a rented house, preaching the kingdom, teaching of the things concerning Jesus with boldness and no one forbidding him. We're left with questions. And I think perhaps we should address some of those questions right at the beginning. The first one is did the apostle paul eventually stand before caesar before nero did he eventually testify before the emperor did he preach the gospel to the great emperor Nero? nero now it should be remembered by us although we don't have it here uh, recorded it should be remembered by us that god himself had promised to paul that he would Preach the gospel to Nero. And one thing is for certain, and that's one of the goals of the Book of Acts, is that God is to show us that God never fails to keep his promises. That every single word that comes out of Christ's mouth is fulfilled. So I think we can imply, although the text doesn't say, we can imply that he did appear before Caesar eventually. But the other question that remains is what happened to Paul? What happened to the Apostle Paul? We read that he was there for two years in his own rented house. Did he Was he convicted? Was this the trial that eventually took his life? Or was he exonerated of his charges? Did he eventually leave the the that home uh, imprisonment situation? I'll be honest, we have absolutely no way of knowing without a shadow of of a doubt what happened to Paul. Because Luke simply doesn't tell us. There are some elements in the book of of Acts that seem to point to the fact that he was cleared. Often uh, uh, there are some elements that would imply this. Since the Roman rulers up until now have found nothing wrong with it, no, no, have found no crime which was deserving of death. No, they found no proof of the things that the Jews were accusing Paul. One might um, imply that the way this trial went was exoneration. But then there are also passages in the book of Acts that seem to imply that Paul was uh, going to, to Rome. Very much in the same way that Christ went to Jerusalem, setting his heart upon Rome, the the prophecies before he went to Jerusalem, saying that he would die. That he would die there. We We have no way of knowing for sure if this was the last imprisonment of Paul or not. Most scholars, most commentators, they say no, this was not the the last imprisonment. Most scholars uh, agree, and church tradition seems to back this as well, that Paul was eventually released. In fact, the the reason why Luke, uh, one of the reasons is the fact that Luke tells us that he was imprisoned for two years. In Roman law, there was this established uh, uh, jurisprudence that you had 18 months. To bring a charge and to condemn uh, someone who was preemptively arrested, that at the end of the 18 months, generally speaking, uh, you were, if no charges were made, you would have to release the, the prisoner. It might be that Paul is giving us this, this uh, that Luke is giving us this uh, indication here of the two years to tell us that the time was done. But we really have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing if Paul eventually got to Spain. Oh, I wouldn't like to know uh, if Paul eventually got around fulfilling his purpose of of going to Spain. But it doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't really matter if he eventually went to Spain or not. I was reading Matthew Henry on this point in his commentary on the book of Romans, actually. He says that whether he went to To Spain or not whether Paul eventually because that was the goal he was coming to Rome and he wanted to go uh, from Rome to Spain to continue his missionary activities but but Matthew Henry says this whether he went or not is uncertain but several of his epistles which he wrote from prison intimate his purpose to go eastward uh, and not towards Spain however and I, I find this so comforting for us however for as much as it was in Paul's heart to do this work, for so much as it, as it was in Paul's heart to take the gospel to the lost, uh, God was pleased. And uh, Matthew Henry, here he quotes from uh, David's uh, interaction when he wanted to build a temple. God told, uh, told David, didn't he? You will not build a temple, but, but however because it was in your heart it is well it is good just the fact that it was in your heart even though you didn't accomplish it god favors it and the grace of god favors matthew andrew says favors uh, favor accepts the sincere intention when the providence of god in wisdom prohibits the execution isn't that comforting to you and me Paul is here these two years. He wants to do all of this. Perhaps he didn't get to to do it. But there is enough in Scripture to tell us that even the intention there is honoring to God. And God accepts the intention. Tradition does say that Paul was released. Eusebius, the Christian historian, he says to us that he eventually was released, that he never actually went to Spain, but he went with Timothy to Crete and to Judea and from Judea he went back to uh, to the provinces in Asia and from there after the the great big fire of Rome in Nero's time it's when Paul returns then to to Rome is arrested and eventually martyred and I think there is something of that confidence that we can see in the letters of Paul you remember not long ago we, we looked at the, letter, uh, at the letter of Philippians. Paul in Philippians, he seemed, he seemed so confident that he would be released. He said that I am confident this, of this. I know I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and for and joy of faith. But later on, whether he was released is, a, is uncertain. But later on when he writes to Timothy... And when he writes to Titus, it seems like he's this He's content. He knows what awaits him, that his life was ge- going to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of his departure was at hand. And although we cannot know for sure what happened, we at least know, even though it doesn't say, we know that he testified before Caesar, That many in the Praetorian guard, while he was there in prison, heard the gospel. Many of Caesar's household were converted. But this doesn't answer the question. Why does Luke end the book like this? Preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things concerning Jesus uh, Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Well, because this book was written primarily to Theophilus. You remember at the beginning, don't you? Luke wrote this letter to Theophilus. It might be that this is where the, the situation was. It might be that at the time that Luke finished, and he fully intended to continue, that at the time that Luke finished this volume, under, under the inspiration of the Spirit, this was the situation that was, that was going on. It might be that Paul was still in prison. In his own rented house, it might be that Luke was writing this in within his human intention to to Theophilus uh, to convince him that actually the the, the Christian uh, religion, the the this sect uh, of Christian uh, of Jewish. Uh, uh, believers that, and now Gentiles as well—they are known as the ones of the way. That they are not actually trying to upend uh, the world. They are not trying to uh, to foster or to bring any kind of political revolution. And Paul was certainly uh, being accused of this time and time again. But ultimately. I think in the intention of the Spirit to end the book like this is so that we place ourselves as well in the history of Scripture. That we see ourselves as the ones that continue that, uh, to take the testimony that was passed down through the ages to us here 2,000 years later. 2,000 years after, we still have this same gospel to preach and Paul was there preaching it. And it was passed on through the ages to us, to these islands of ours here in the in the UK, to this city. It, get, it, it came to the end of the earth. From Luke's perspective, when the gospel reached Rome, that promise that Jesus Christ had made in chapter 1, that you will be my uh, witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then uh, Samaria, uh, throughout Judea, then Samaria, then to to the ends of the earth. That promise is here fulfilled in, uh, in part and it continues to be fulfilled to this day. The word, the gospel, the, the, the word of God is being taken to the ends of the earth. And Paul was doing that even in chains. And that is an encouragement for us. There is a, an exhortation for us. At first sight, it seems that Luke does not have much to say in these last two verses, but they are full of teaching for us. For we are told, we are told that Paul was preaching and teaching. We are told what Paul was doing during this th- during this time. Is there anything more important than doing that? Is there anything more important than taking the gospel to those that need it, to, of te- uh, preaching and teaching the gospel to those? who are dead in their sins and trespasses. And you might say, oh, but you don't know my circumstances. But Paul here would say to you, you know my circumstances. I was in chains and still I did it. It is possible, yes, that Paul was doing other things. In fact, who was paying for the rented house? Perhaps he had to work, as he often did, uh, uh, constructing uh, tents, Making tents and repairing tents, but Paul was fully engaged in preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, as should we be. It also tells us, although it seems very a uh, very uh, uneventful two verses, these two verses also also tell us uh, to whom they pre- he preached. We know that although he was in prison, that he could receive people. He received all who came to him. That is a message for us. That is an exhortation and encouragement for us. Okay, I know I need to take the, to take the gospel. I, need, I know I need to preach and teach the gospel. To who? Well, to all who would hear, to all who would come, to all who would, who would listen. You preach the gospel to all. You teach the gospel to all. What a wonderful providence from God that he was not uh, prevented from receiving people. Paul preached to Jews. We have the record here. I'm sure he preached to the Gentiles. He said it as much when he spoke to the Jews that he was now going to the Gentiles. He preached to the prisoner to the, to the jailers, to the, to the Roman soldiers that were uh, keeping him there. That's what he says to the Philippians. Even those of the household of Caesar. Even the Praetorian guard was hearing the gospel to all. That's the offer of the gospel. But Luke also tells us what he uh, preached, the content of what he preached. He preached the kingdom of God. He preached the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught them about the the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom has come. The kingdom that was promised in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in the law, the, the, the kingdom that we all were hoping for, it has finally come. But you cannot preach the kingdom without speaking of the king, without teaching about the king, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection and his ascension. That's what Paul was involved in doing. That's what Paul was teaching and preaching. That this kingdom did not consist of political power. That the purpose of the kingdom was not to overturn or to inaugurate or to install something here on earth. So often that is the problem. That is where, when Christianity starts going uh, away. It's when we start confusing the nature of the kingdom and you want things here and now. Christians are not political revolutionaries. He taught about the kingdom from the Old Testament, from the law and the prophets, demonstrating to all that Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah that was promised. But perhaps the most important uh, element that we have here that ties this all together, that ties the theme of the book together. And that is why I think this, this ending is not so uh, abrupt as people think. We are told how he did it. With confidence, no one forbidding him. He he preached, He taught the kingdom, he performed the great commission with boldness, with no hindrance. And this tells us a couple of things, doesn't it? It tells us something about, well, it tells us something that we have already seen throughout the whole book of, of Acts. The God who is behind the preaching of the kingdom. You see, to be able to preach with confidence and with no one forbidding him, you need the work of God. You need the work of God both internally and externally. You need the, bo- the work of God both uh, in grace towards you and in providence in your life. Let me explain. Paul was only able to preach with this boldness because he himself had been transformed by this boldness. If you have not been, uh, have been transformed by the grace of God to have this boldness, to not be ashamed. If you haven't been saved, how can you take the gospel with boldness? How can you preach it with confidence? It is internal grace that is needed. And Paul had it. You see, it is God at work. Boldness. You remember, right at the beginning, you won't probably. But you know the, the, the prayer, when we spoke about the, the prayer of the the city uh, of the Christians in Jerusalem. What did they pray for? For boldness, because that's what they needed. But boldness only comes when we understand the work of God in our lives. The church prays for boldness. Then, because of the Jewish leadership. But we still need boldness. uh, But Paul needed boldness here because of the Roman uh, um, oppressors. And we need boldness in our own lives. We need the grace of God to demonstrate itself internally in our lives. To be able to preach the gospel. But then there is an an external element of God's work. Which I call providence. No one forbade them. No one uh, hindered him from doing this work. And that's, that's the element that we've been seeing throughout the book of Acts. That God is the one who is at work. Th- this book is not the acts of the apostles. This book is the acts of the risen Christ. And it is the risen Christ who holds the hearts of of those in authority in his hands. And in this case, in his providence, he has allowed, even though Paul is in chains, he has allowed Paul to preach with no hindrance. We have seen throughout the book of Acts how God controls the hearts of uh, opens the eyes. How God, uh, how the Spirit of God uh, empowers His disciples. How the Spirit of God uh, is at work, uh, directing the disciples. We have seen how God uh, sends storms and stops storms. How He opens doors and closes doors. And here we see it yet again. If we are to preach. And to teach the kingdom of God. And the things concerning Jesus Christ effectively. We need the work of God internally. And we need the work of God externally. In his providence. Internally in, in his grace towards us. And externally in his providence. And this is how Luke ends this passage. These are the last two words with boldness or with confidence it's the same word no one forbidding him no one forget forbidding him the kingdom of God from the, the beginning from that bud seedling in Jerusalem just a few disciples afraid has flourished by the end of this book in Acts 28 has flourished to many different local congregations throughout the, the Judean, re, uh, Judean region, to Asia Minor, and even to Rome, and far farther beyond. And we know from history this gospel has spread throughout the whole world, and it still spreads today. The lessons for us as we come to an end. The lessons for us as we finish this this book is for us to note that we too have this gospel to preach. As we've seen this gospel was invincible. It couldn't be stopped. Even though many re- rose up to stop it, even though many tried to, to kill Paul, even though many tried to imprison Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Peter, they killed Stephen, the gospel ca- carried on. Even though they expelled the, the, the Christians from Jerusalem, it only worked for the advantage of the gospel because the, the, the Christians being scattered took the gospel to other places. Let us be confident in the gospel that we have to proclaim. In the God that orders all things for good of those who love him. Because many in history have risen to stop Christ's church. Many have risen to stop the preaching of the gospel. Many have risen to try and stop God from advancing. And in fact... It's ironic even. It's reversed. And The more they try to push it back, the more it seems that the church thrives. It's often in the places where you see the church being persecuted and, and attacked. It's where you see the church actually thriving. How many oppositions rose against Paul in this book and many other oppositions that we know from the letters. How many times they tried to stop him. How many times he was on the brink of death from the first missionary journey when he was stoned and left for dead. How many events militated against the advance of the gospel, but despite all of this, despite the improbability that a a group of fishermen and uneducated people in in fear in the upper room of, of a of a house in Jerusalem, in spite of all the inadequacies and the frailty of the instruments. God's word abideth still. His kingdom advanced. Paul was an ordinary man. He was intelligent, well educated, but he was an ordinary man. If we believe the reports of tradition, he was not something to behold. He was not just this six-foot-tall kind of individual, very very pleasing and charismatic. All records in church tradition seem to indicate otherwise, that he was short, that he was not very pleasant to the eye, that he wasn't actually very well-spoken, although I would argue this. But even here, this... Uneducated, uh, this uh, humiliated man, imprisoned as an evildoer, chained, bound to another Roman soldier. Even here, he preached the gospel, and the gospel continued. You know why? Because the, the Paul might have been shackled. Pa- Paul might have been bound, just like he was in Philippi. But God's words is unshackled God's word is free God's word carries on and the same the same is true for us we're not something to behold we're not the best in this world are we none of us have PhDs higher degree education none of us have uh, we're not very well spoken we're not very well educated we're not beautiful That's not the thing that will attract people to Christ. It's Christ. It's his word. We are frail, but the gospel is powerful. And that's the call that this passage brings to us. To continue the evangelistic and missionary work. Each and every one of us have received a great commission. Just like the disciples after Jesus' res- resurrection, we have received the same great commission. If you if you were to call the uh, I didn't name the title this sermon, but if I was to title it in some way, it would be something like uh, "Work in Progress" to be continued. We are the ones who carry the same message. We have the same Christ as Paul has. As Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Peter, Stephen. It's the same God, the same Christ. It's the same message. It's the same word. And it's the same spirit at work in us and through us. It's a summon for us to to continue. Individually and as a church preaching the gospel in season and out of season. That hymn that says, we bear the torch that flaming fell from the hands of those who gave their life proclaiming that Jesus died and rose. We bear that torch flaming. Ours is the same commission, the same glad message ours, fired by the same ambition. To you we healed our, our powers. And the work continues. And it is up to us now. And I'll, I'll say this. The same way that the work was left unfinished by Paul, the people that followed from Paul let the work unfinished. The same way that when you came uh, to faith, the work was unfinished, and you, you were facing that task to, to continue the work that was unfinished, the, the day you leave, unless the Lord returns, the work will be unfinished. And the person who comes after you, and the next one, and the next one, they will continue that work. Until the Lord returns, until all the redeemed are gathered, until glory is before us, the work continues. But one thing is sure, and that's the main message of the book of Acts. The purposes of God, they will remain. They will endure no matter what. And God will accomplish his design. He will build up his church That's the confidence that Martin Luther had. God's truth abides still. His kingdom stands forever. So let us proclaim God's word. In season, out of season, not just in 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 the in the in the setting and venue of the church, but wherever the Lord places us. If we are indeed graced internally by the by the Spirit if we are indeed empowered by this same Spirit that empowered the disciples at Pentecost, we will have our eyes open to the opportunities that in God's province externally God gives to us, whatever the circumstances that we are placed on. Because for now, until Christ returns, the Great Commission is yet unfinished the design of Christ that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. Although we get to the end of the book of Acts and there is a fulfillment of sorts, it is not yet fully fulfilled. So the gospel still needs to go to the ends of the earth. And it should be, and it is, isn't it, our consuming passion to make Christ known with boldness, even amid harsh difficult circumstances before us it is our passion to preach Christ and him crucified the reason why Paul was in this position to begin with you remember the reason why Paul uh, the, the, the chain of events the, the spark that, uh, that brought him the chain of events that brought him you, you remember how it started It was Christ coming to him in the road to Emmaus and the road to Damascus. As he was going there to persecute the church, he heard the voice of Jesus. Not sure if he was softly pleading with his heart, but pleading with him. Laying hold of him and commissioning him.